Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. And I think there's two things that are really affecting this whole idea of spiritual warfare and understanding it today. Number one, a lot of people aren't believing in the spiritual war. They're not really putting much emphasis on it. And number two, the intents of Satan is just increasing. The spiritual warfare is just increasing in these last days. I believe Satan knows that his days are short. So there's many Christians that either take spiritual warfare lightly, may not even believe in it to a certain extent. I call them Christian atheists, and yet Satan is attacking our homes. The issue with when we're dealing with spiritual warfare, there is a Satan, there is a demonic force, there are demonic powers that oppose even us in our Christian warfare. As we have been discussing throughout this time in this series known as Seasons of Suffering, spiritual warfare does come into play. I've met people even this last week who appear to be under heavy, heavy attack in their lives, in their own homes. Paul has a lot to say about spiritual warfare. The Bible has a lot to say about spiritual warfare. And when we look at this issue of spiritual warfare, I think the Lord brought me to this passage of Scripture because it's so important in the life of the Christian, and especially where it falls in the epistles of Ephesians. If you remember in Acts chapter 19, Paul planted the church there. When Paul planted the church in Ephesus, there was a heavy spiritual war taking place. People burned their magic books. They turned from their false idols to the point where silversmiths and those who were making idols got upset because people quit buying them and they were turning from them to the true and living God. And spiritual warfare was a real part of that church. And here in the epistle to the Ephesians, we see somewhat of a climax of the letter with this passage. He begins with, finally, finally. In other words, after all that he said, and all that he said in the first three chapters was the doctrine of who Christ is, doctrine of adoption, predestination, all those things. Then when he gets into chapter 4, verse 1, he turns towards practical living. Five times in chapter 4 and 5, we see the word walk or live by, live this way. In other words, now that you understand what the Word of God says about Christ in us, this is the way you need to live. And in chapter 5, he turns towards the marriage. He begins to turn his attention towards the marriage. Then he deals with parenting. He deals with the children's role. And he deals with the servants of a household. He's kind of closing that practical living section before spiritual warfare with the home. And I believe there's a real intention there because that's where Satan begins his attacks. He knows that if he can destroy your home, if he can destroy your marriage, if he can destroy your children's future, if he can cause division in your home, then he has a victory because God designed it very, very different. So we see that coming off the heels of stuff dealing with the home 
He then gets into this uh, spiritual warfare. He gets into this concept of spiritual warfare. And as we look at the verses that I read, I want you to realize just several things this morning. First of all, you need to realize the reality of spiritual warfare. You need to realize the reality of spiritual warfare. Look at the terminology that Paul uses in that passage. He uses the word armor, which was used of Roman soldiers who would fully dress for battle. And as you read down further, you see a list of the armor that he lists, the armor of God. So we see in the word armor that he's not talking about anything other than warfare right now. We see the word wrestle used in verse 12. This is the only time the word is used in the entire Bible. In the Greek Bible, the New Testament, it's the only time the word appears. And it was used of the games in Western Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, which is where Ephesus was located, that the games, the wrestling was so important there, where Paul would use terminology in other areas of Scripture, dealing more with fight, battle, conflict. He uses those words, but here he uses the word wrestle because they can all identify with that one word. It was so big in their culture there but he was bringing into play the closeness of spiritual warfare. How close and how real it is. Hand-to-hand combat. Dealing with hand-to-hand combat. It was a word that was used on the battlefield dealing with that. And then there's the word against. And that's what struck me most in studying this passage of Scripture. The word against is used six times in just two verses. In verses 11 and 12, you see against used over and over and over again. So the words that Paul is using here is very, very serious words dealing with conflict, dealing with spiritual warfare. He's trying to highlight to the believers in Ephesus and to you and I today that this idea of spiritual war is very real. It's no less real today than it was when it was back in the day of Paul where we saw many demons cast out of people, where Jesus went through Israel, cast demons out of people. Everywhere he was going, he was casting demons out of people, showing his power over the demonic world. But sadly to say, many Christians deny that. Not many wake up in the morning and say, I'm in a war today. Not many wake up, in the morning and say, Satan is out to get me. There's going to be opposition somewhere today. They tend to deny that there's a spiritual battle and a spiritual war taking place. Many will not even believe that Satan is a real person. There's a lot of self-proclaimed Christians that believe Satan is just a symbol of evil. And I think J.C. Ryle was hit the nail on the head a hundred years ago, but also as well as today. He was an evangelical Anglican from England, loved the Word of God, wrote much about the Word of God, but over a hundred years ago he said these words. The saddest symptoms about many so-called Christians is the utter absence of anything like conflict and fight in their Christianity. They eat, they drink, they dress, they work, they amuse themselves, they get money, they spend money, they go through a scantily round of religious services once or twice a week. But the great spiritual warfare, its watchings and strugglings, its agonies and anxieties, its battles and contests, all of this they appear to know nothing at all. 
as Christians, we need to realize that we're not on a playground, we're on a battleground. As Christians, we need to realize we're not on a cruise ship, we're on a battleship. I mean, have you ever seen a cruise ship before? The pictures they show, you know, you got people playing tennis, you got people doing shuffleboard, you got people lounging around in shorts and sandals and eating all you can eat, buffets. That's what I loved about the cruise we went on. But you look at a, you look at a cruise ship, and it looks very different than a battleship. A battleship has soldiers on it, dressed. They have people trained for battle. Some man the guns, some load the guns, some load tomahawk missiles, some fire the tomahawk missiles. But a cruise ship looks very different than a battleship. And a battleship is what the Christian is on. From the day we wake up to the day we depart this world, we are in a war against a ferocious enemy. And you need to wake up to that fact. It's sad that many people do not see that truth. In fact, there's conflict going on in their home right now, and they would never acknowledge that maybe it's coming from Satan. They may be having problems with their own children, and they would never acknowledge that it's coming from Satan. And let me just say this. You can invite Satan into your home. You can invite Satan into your home rather than having the glory of the Lord dwell in your home, having his presence dwell in your home. You can do things, you can watch things, you can exercise things. There's all kinds of things that you can open up the door for Satan to be into your house. And there is no hedge of protection. The greatest thing that we can do is make Jesus center of our household. And then when we're under spiritual attack, when we're in this spiritual war, we have a leg to stand on. You have to realize the reality of what's going on with spiritual war. The unseen world is ferocious. The unseen world, Satan is just nonstop. He's relentless towards the Christians. It's not like when we get saved, then the battles stop. No, that was taught in the Old Testament when Joshua led the people in the promised land. When he led the people in the promised land, the battles didn't stop. They just began. And it was the land that God gave them. But yet they were going to have to do warfare in that land. They were going to have to become victorious in that land. So number one, you need to realize the reality of spiritual warfare. If you have not done that, and as a Christian have not woken up to that fact, I can understand the unbelieving world. I can understand unbelievers saying, oh, that stuff's nonsense. But more and more people are taking it less serious. I think a lot of it is due to the movies. We are exposed to everything in the spiritual world. Hollywood puts it on the big screens. Our children play with it on video games. And what it does is it begins to take the sting or the reality of how serious the spiritual war is. You have to have a heightened attentiveness towards these spiritual battles or you are going to get whooped. Seriously. So realize that what we're in is no game. What we're in is a spiritual battle and a spiritual war where you have an enemy that wants to destroy your trust in God, destroy your faith in God. He wants to attack you every angle he can. And that leads to the second point. Realize the severity of spiritual warfare. Sometimes people say, yeah, we're in a spiritual war. You know, and it's kind of like nonchalantly, yeah, we're in a spiritual war, but they don't realize how severe the war is that they're involved in. We're not just in a war, but we are in a severe war. And we get a glimpse of this with the description of our enemy. 
Look what he says in verse 11. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of who? Who? The devil. The Greek is diablos and it means slander or false accuser. And I found a few interesting surveys where people in America, the majority actually believed in a devil. Isn't that interesting? The majority of Americans will declare that they believe there's a devil. They say 57% Christians said, though, yeah, we believe that the devil's a real being. And this was on Gospel Coalition. It was a survey there. And they said, yeah, we believe that there's a devil. But they don't take him serious. They don't realize how severe he is. They don't realize the tenacity he has in trying to destroy people's lives and souls. His proper name is Satan. That's his proper name. If you were to give him a proper name, his proper name is Satan, not the devil. It's Satan. And that means the name itself means to oppose the will of another. It means an adversary. It means an adversary. So when we see Satan in the Bible, it is speaking about the person who is opposed to the will of God. It is your adversary. And whatever God's will is for you in your life, Satan is opposed to that. Whatever God's will is for your family, Satan is opposed to that. And he's going to do everything he can to stop that. His proper name is Satan, adversary. But listen to this on how the devil is described in Scripture. And this kind of gives you insight on how evil he is. In 1 Peter 5, 8, he's, he's actually called your adversary. In Revelation 12, 9, he's referred to as the deceiver. In Revelation 12, 10, he is the accuser. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, he's seen as an angel of light. In Revelation 9.11, he's seen as the destroyer. John 17.15, he is the evil one. In John 8.44, he is a liar. In John 8.44, Jesus also says he's a murderer. In Ephesians 2.2, he's the prince of the power of the air. In John 12.31, he's the ruler of this world. And in Genesis 3.4, in Revelation 22, he is the serpent. What it means by the ruler of this world world he's ruling the blinded hearts of this world and god's given him so much room like i said he's in charge of governments he's in charge of false religious systems he's in charge of a lot of things in this world that's going to come to a close one day but he is a deceiver he's a liar he's a murderer from the beginning he's your adversary he's a roaring lion that's his character reference this is who our enemy is this is who our enemy is. This is what he looks like. And so Paul further tells us that this enemy is not flesh and blood. He says this is not flesh and blood that we wrestle against. Paul was opposed by people, if you think about it. Paul was beaten. He was imprisoned. He was mocked. He was even stoned by real people. But the source behind that was Satan. And that's what makes this thing so difficult. When we understand that our problem is not other people, but our problem is Satan and demons, it changes the way you do warfare. If you continue to see that your problem is only people, then you will never ever do warfare the way God wants us to. You'll respond to people in vengeance. You'll respond to people by lashing out at them. You'll start a war with people, but you'll never pray for them. 
You'll never begin to pray that their heart changes. Jesus said even with our enemies, we're supposed to give them a glass of cold water. How is that? Everything that we're supposed to do in the New Testament towards our enemies is so contrary to what we were raised to believe. And yet, that's the way we're supposed to do warfare. The problem is not people. The problem is Satan. The problem is not your co-worker. There's an enemy involved here. The problem is not maybe even in, with your children. There's an enemy that wants to separate your children from you. There's an enemy that wants to get your children to disobey your authority. Because the enemy knows that if children begin to disobey the authority in the home, they will respect no authority whatsoever. And so you need to be praying and you need to be covering your home with prayer and, and understand that the demonic forces is at work and is not going to stop. So we see the description of the enemy, but notice the opposition of the enemy. Notice the opposition of the enemy. His opposition is calculated. His opposition is calculated. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes. The schemes of the devil. Schemes is the Greek word methodia. It's where we get our English word method. And oftentimes it was used of a wild animal who cunningly stalked its prey and then pounced on its prey unknowingly. Prey didn't even realize it. Now last week Chris showed a video and it was with the lion he was stealth, right? He was stealth. Nobody saw him, and you had the cute little gazelle. Oh, they're cute and everything else. And then the one gazelle starts to veer off and goes towards the lion. And Chris was nice to you, because I found a video last night. <laughs> and then I changed my mind, because, you know, I think Pastor Chris didn't want kids to go into shock, because what I saw a lion do last night would have shocked kids and I didn't want you calling the office saying hey you traumatized my kid during your sermon that type of thing but that's about as accurate as that word can become that a lion hunting its prey is and that's why he's called a roaring lion and in seeking who may devour him first Peter 5 8 and he's stealth and that's the way he works but notice that word methodia there's a method to what Satan does He's not a dummy. You have to understand that Satan is not stupid. You may be smart, but I'll guarantee you this, you are not as smart as Satan. How is it that that guy can deceive a third of the angels in the presence of God to follow him? How is it that he can do that? And he's been around from the beginning of time at his onslaughts, on his attacks, on his calculations. He is very calculated in what he does. So the email that pops up in your inbox from an old flame from years ago, or the Facebook message that comes through somebody went to school with and you were dating at that time or something, or there's something going on where you run into an old friend, new creations on the streets. And then all of a sudden you, you start to tell him about Christ and he says, I've got some dope right here. Let's go slam some. This isn't dope, you guys. This is what I clean my... <laughs> if you're watching Facebook Live, all law enforcement out there, this is not dope. See, look, I'm cleaning my glasses with it. Okay? And I've seen of this church, of new creation, 25 years, that through the history of new creations, I've seen Satan 
calculate attempts. These are planned attempts. He's not a dummy. And the greatest victory that he could get is to get you to fall with God. To get you to go back to your old life. To get you to fall into adultery. To get you to fall back to alcohol. You know, there's a guy that, that I know that, that was in ministry, and he ended up taking a drink one day because some people talked him into it. And he thought, you know, they said, wait a minute, you know, Christians can drink and all this. And he came out of a life of alcohol and drugs. And he thought, yeah, maybe I can control it. And he takes one beer, and it sent him back down the road of destruction. Satan got a victory. And he's not a dummy. He sees your weaknesses. He's not running around with a blindfold on. Listen to me. This guy sees. If it isn't Satan, it's one of his demons. And that's what it is. It's, it's probably a demon. If it's Satan himself, then you're probably somebody way up the ladder that he wants to take out and destroy and bring defamation to the name of Christ. But he sees. He sees what you watch. He sees what you do on your computer. He knows the weaknesses. He, he can calculate stuff. You think that an unbeliever has control over their lives? They don't. They are being influenced by demonic influences. I may have been bad. People coming out of new creations may have been bad. But if somebody doesn't know God and is not under the influence of the Holy Spirit, they are being used as a pawn. By Satan. And you need to understand that. He's not a dummy. He does things methodically. He's got evil schemes. And not only that, he's not just calculated in his onslaughts, but he's also organized. Look at the verse 12. Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces. It speaks of a hierarchy. It's not chaos in the demonic world like some people paint it out to be that demons are running around out there with their, you know, like chickens with their head cut off and they're just, everything's unorganized and everything else. No, there is a hierarchy. There is an organized army out there. There are principalities which was used of strong leaders in ESV uses uh, rulers. There are authorities and the only reason you can have authorities and things like that is if you are an authority over something. And so when you look at this list, the issue is not to try and dissect every word and attach it to something. The idea that Paul is trying to get across is, man, this is organized. God has his organization. He has archangels. He's got cherubim. He's got his organization that flows down. He's got his flow chart, but so does Satan. It is organized. It is organized. The location of the war needs to be noted too because the location is in the heavenlies. So he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Again, in Ephesians, this is the only place you're going to find this word. There's five times it's used in Ephesians, and it's a significant word. It's seen in Ephesians 1, 3, 
chapter 1, verse 6, chapter 1, verse 20, chapter 2, verse 6, chapter 3, verse 10, chapter 6, verse 12. It highlights the importance of the word, and we can't dissect that now, but let me say this, the heavenly places is the unseen world. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.